Whoa, 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 whoa. Why y'all so happy? Hey, you don't know. Charvette Mitchell is on the radio. It's time to get motivated, excited, and influenced. Why? It's the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show, live from Richmond, Virginia. And now, here to motivate, excite, and influence you, Charvette, Charvette Mitchell. Well, hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show, broadcasting from the capital city of Richmond, Virginia, but heard all across the world wide web. Hey, dolls. Hey, Jen. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today and for checking out this amazing show. So you know the goal of my show is to motivate, excite, and influence, and I bring y'all guests that, you know, we just do just that with our guests. And so I'm really excited because both guests today um, are from Richmond or in Richmond, spend a lot of time in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, as you know, we talk to guests all over all over the world, really, and so it's really cool when um, there are people that we can interview and spotlight that are within our own city. And so um, my first guest is hanging out in the virtual green room, having a seat over on the yellow leather couches. Uh, <laughs> Von Cade is with us. I'm telling you what, a mentor motivator, musician, and entrepreneur. She's going to be coming up first in the first segment, and we're going to be talking all about urban millennial churches and their music departments. Yeah, this is like an interesting topic. So you want to keep it locked right here. And then in our second segment, we're really tickle pink to have Jackie Hunter joining us. She's got her debut novel out, Lost in the Red Hills of Mars which is about a 13-year-old girl who lives in the first human colony on Mars. Whoa. Listen, Jackie Hunter has a a, a long uh, history in education. She was an elementary school administrator, uh, middle school math and science teacher, and so we're going to get to hear all about her brand-new novel um, that's just out and available for you. So, This is what we want you to do. Jump on your social media and say, hey, you need to come in. You need to tune in right now to the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show. Big shout out to all those that are on the phone lines. Hey, we're waving at you. Thanks for listening in. Those that are listening in from Twitter and from Facebook and from Instagram and certainly Charvette.com. And we can't leave out all of our broadcast stations uh, that feature the show. And then, hey, if you're listening from an Alexa device, um, we appreciate you as well. So let's go ahead and jump into our first segment here. Again, uh, I'm excited to be bringing up to the mic Vaughn Cade, uh, born uh, and raised in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, but we can claim her. Uh, we can claim her here in Virginia. Uh, she attended Virginia State University, and she is currently completing her sound recording technology degree with a concentration of music business leadership at Berkeley College of Music. Oh my goodness! Listen, a proud member of Liberation Church International. Shout out to Pastors Jay and Ashley Patrick. We uh, love you guys, friends of the show. But let me tell you, uh, she has had an opportunity really just to be in music ministry in a lot of different roles. And I think this is a really uh, great topic to open up about urban millennial uh, churches. So I'm running to the mic to bring Vaughn Cade on live. Hello, Vaughn. Welcome to the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show. What's going on, Charvette? How are you? I am doing well. How are you doing today? 
I'm doing well. No complaints at all. Today's a good day. All right. Listen, we will take that. We'll take that. So let's let's um, let our listeners get to know you just a little bit. Uh, tell us when did you know when did the music bug bite you, <laughs> if you will? Oh man, yes. <laughs> I mean, I've been in music for a long time, <laughs> over twenty years. I think I may have started in the womb. I was going to church. I came out, started singing in the church youth choir. Then from there, I just got intrigued by the instruments. And I started learning different instruments and singing, and then I got into the leadership role, and I've been there ever since. Wow. And so did you find that you leaned more towards singing, more towards uh, the instruments? Did you have a pull either way? I guess it would depend on the church that I was at. Depending on what was, I guess, needed in that atmosphere, I would say Mm -hmm. primarily my focus was on instrumentation. And then if I had to sing, then I would. That's not my first go-to, but if I have to, I will. (laughs) Okay, great. Because you've had the opportunity to be a young adult music director uh, for various, you know, various churches, you know, from North Carolina to Virginia over the past 20 years. Uh, So what have you seen in kind of that, in that journey? (laughs) I've seen from both sides, being a musician and being actual uh, participant of the music department. So I've seen how they're structured. I've seen the areas of opportunity. I've seen the uplifts, and I've seen the fall downs within the music department. Okay, good, good. And so I know that um, our conversation today is centered really around urban millennial, uh, you know, churches. And so I think it would be good. Just just start first just talking about urban millennial church and really what you mean by that. That may be a new term or that may be a new phrase to some of our listeners. So what is yes, your ma'am. description of an urban millennial church? So my description for an urban millennial church would be a church that has members or primary members between the ages of 18 through 35 in that target range. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean a race, but just that age range itself. Mhm. Okay. And are there are are churches that are kind of catering to or attracting, I should say, this age range just growing? Is do you do you think there's just a, a a growth in that type of church? Well, I think because of the mindset of the millennials, as I categorized earlier in this time, we have a lot of questions about everything. It's not like when we were coming up, you know, Mama said do it, so you just do it. It's like, okay, well, what's the why in behind this? Why am I doing something that has been passed down for generations and it's not working? So it's not a rebellion, so to speak, but it's a question of why. What is the reasoning behind this? Does it make sense? Am I supposed to do it? Am I not supposed to do it? How does this affect me directly? Mhm. Mhm. So that's good. And so what do you believe is the current state of the Urban Millennial Church Music Department? In Man, I believe it's in the state of emergency. <laughs> kind of oh, like wow. the State of the Union address <laughs> to the uh, United yeah. States. You know, we are in the state of emergency when it comes to this category of the Urban Millennial Church Music Department. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, and and what are the, some of the things that you know that are causing you to say there's an emergency? <laughs> well, I believe there's a uh, underdevelopment, and what I mean by that is a lot of the churches 
they start smart when they start based off of what they have. Meaning, for example, you may have a first lady that's leading praise and worship, or you may have a pastor's kids playing instruments, or they may be the lead keyboardist or organist, whatever have you, but they don't have the budget, so they're leaning on their strengths of what they do have which is causing an issue because as the churches grow, we're not properly placing the leadership and musicians in the place to effectively run that music department. So we run into all kind of issues that play alongside of not having the right person or not adequately trained within the leadership music role. So what kind of training do they do they need? Do they need to know how to play better or is it what what types of training do you think the musicians need? Well, I think there's two different categories here. Just because you are a musician does not mean that you are a leader. And just because you are a leader doesn't mean that you are a musician. So I think that we need to look at it in two different ways here. Um, are we training for a musician to be better at the skill that they have or are we developing a leader to lead that department effectively and we need to take a look at what we have and really address those concerns and so maybe maybe there are uh, leaders that are, are really good and don't necessarily play an instrument per se but in but maybe could be over a music you know music department Correct. I mean is that is that something yes. that's possible Absolutely, but that comes down to the administrative and then the leadership of the church being willing to accept a model for the music department. What is the structure? What are we looking at here? What's the end game of what we're trying to get to and what roles need to be filled in order to make this thing happen? You know, as a person look, who is not a musician, not a singer, I mean choir, you know, back up in the choir, <laughs> but uh, not recently. <laughs> but mm-hmm. as, a, as a person that's not a musician, um, it seems to me there is an air, um, there is an air oftentimes, I think, with musicians. Um, and so I wonder, I just wonder across, you know, churches across this nation, if the musician, not even the, the leadership of the church, if the musician uh, would be willing to be, you know, in a under a role where they are, you know, led by someone who's not an, another musician. Uh, you know, I'm just wondering right. if musicians are open to that. I think that it's very possible. I think that it depends on the approach that is given to them. How are we going about this? I mean, it's very difficult for you to be in a role and having been there for so long for someone new to not have the skill that you have to come in and pretty much dictate or tell you how to do what you're doing, but if it's introduced properly, we have the right connections and the right fellowship, pretty much build the right rapport before we just bring that person in. I think that it is something that is very doable. Well, you know, and this happens in corporate America all the time. So, I mean, Absolutely. I bet many of our listeners, you know, could could testify to say that they've had a manager, a director, a vice president over them who could not do their job, did not know how to oh, do, yeah. you know, task A and task B, but were hired or placed in a position um, because of their perceived leadership skills or their leadership skills. So it's interesting, uh, you know, that happens in corporate America a, a lot. Um, so I, I wonder if that would play over with, you know, with the, within the church as well. So that's good. So, um, you know, how do, how did we, you know, how do you think we got to this, Um, You know, is there anything specific that got us here? Yeah, I think, again, when we 
actually had the opportunity when the church developed and the membership grew, we never really took a step back to evaluate where we are. Okay, we used what we had when we were starting up, and that's great because we leaned on our strengths. However, going forward, we need to make sure that our people are educated, meaning that they have the resources that are available to them to begin to implement these things and look at other Um, I would say congregations, but look at the different resources that are out there. For instance, you have uh, worship leader conferences that are available. You have leadership seminars that are available. You have one-on-one consultants that are available to help you walk you through this process based off of what it is that you need that your house needs the most. And when I say your house, I mean your ministry. Right, right. This is so interesting because I was having a conversation. Uh, I was at a conference called Spark and Hustle um, yes, just a couple weeks ago in Atlanta, <laughs> Georgia. <laughs> that yes. uh, is an entrepreneur conference, but there is a gentleman uh-huh. there um, named Matt Kelly who is yes, um, like head of a music um, department. And so he was there from the lens and the angle of how could he create a conference for musicians. And so yes. his – his angle was he wanted to create a conference that would help um, that musician who, like, still has a full-time job, but, you know, they're really passionate about music, you know, how could they yeah. create other reven- streams of revenue and things of that nature to help them be able to do their music full-time. And so um, I think there are a lot of different people having, like, different conversations about music ministry and what that looks like. And it seems like there are more conferences and seminars and stuff available now than there used to be. Do you agree? I think that there is more enlightenment as to what is available because mm. people are talking about it. They, there's more of a buzz of commonality issues or areas of opportunity that I like to call them that a lot of people are bringing to the forefront. So I think that especially musicians and those that are in a music leadership role are looking for a safe community to get these skills that are needed to take that ministry to the next level and operate in the spirit of excellence and do it effectively. Okay. And so what about the, uh, you know, the person that's listening who may have a child that's, you know, that's 8 or, or 11 years old, and they, they're recognizing that that child has musical gifts uh, and has a, you know, a, is a, has a passion around music. Do you have any recommendations of what that parent should do to help cultivate that child and their musical gifts? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think if you recognize that your child has a gift or an ear for music or is even just intrigued by music itself, get them around people that are influential within the instruments that they like. It may be as simple as taking them to the music store for them to get on instruments and for them to try out different things to see what they like. Take them to these workshops. Take them to the concerts that the the, uh, different choirs and uh, churches are offering. Take them to college campuses to get them involved in the music department because it's not just about the instrumentation. There's a preparation that happens before that, and a lot of time we miss the mark because our kids are not prepared for the college level or even high school or middle school level because they don't have an introduction as to what to expect. So they're underdeveloped and unprepared for what is coming their way. And um, certainly with you being in school uh, as far as, you know, gaining your higher education with Berkeley, and I know that education is, is, is high on your, your thought list right now, right? <laughs> yes, ma'am. 
Wow. All right. And so they've got that 8-year-old and that 11-year-old. And then, um, you know, what about that 21-year-old, 22? So, you know, the parent doesn't have as much reign, but they see that, you know, know, that that age bracket wants to go that way. Do you have any different recommendations for that age group? Absolutely. Well, I wouldn't say that they're different, but one of the same, but just get in the target audience of what you're trying to focus at. You, at that age, you have the flexibility to pretty much do whatever you want to do. So find somebody that you can get connected with. It is all about networking and building that circle, that community, to make sure that you have the positive influences to figure out if that's even what you want to do. A lot of times we get in the assumption that we want to be a musician until it comes to the work ethic of it the practice that has to come in before you can perform, the preparedness, the training of the ear, the learning when and how to breathe, the body control that you have to have. So there's a lot of things that play into it that we don't know are part of what we want to do unless we have the exposure to it. So go out and check out the different venues. You may go to a live jazz night or you may go to a worship, whatever your thing is. Find something that involves music that retains your attention that you can learn and glean from. All right, that's good advice. That's good advice. Hey there, if you're listening in and you just tuned in, you are checking out the Charvette Mitchell radio show uh, where we are here to motivate, excite, and influence. And we are uh, chatting with Vaughn Cade right now, chatting with Vaughn. Uh, tell the listeners how you can um, connect with them on social media. Yes, ma'am. You can follow me on Facebook and request me as a friend on Facebook. I'm Vaughn Cade. I'm on Instagram as Vine Cade. You can always catch me out and about. I'm very approachable. Just make sure we make that connection. We never know what's going to happen until we actually have a conversation. It always starts with a conversation. So communicate with me, and I promise you I'll reach back out to you as well. All right, there you go. There is an offer right there for you to connect. And so I want to talk about this, um, and, and this is in particular for for church musicians, which is who we're primarily yes, focused on uh, in this conversation, but the kind of gig mentality. So, you know, you have one oh, set of musicians, man. it's really just, <laughs> it's just, you know, this is just another gig <laughs> versus yeah. like a musician who's like, I'm a member of this church, I'm, you know, committed to the growth and the stability of this church and God versus I'm, I, it's a gig and I'm going wherever the budget is. How, yeah. you know, how do we handle that? Well, you mentioned earlier about Matt Kelly. He is actually a great resource when it comes to that. He focuses a lot on the gig mentality versus the spiritual mentality and how to make that transition. But what I will say is that as a musician, we do get caught up, especially if we're playing outside of church, in the gig routine, which means that, okay, I'm going where the money is. Where's the contract? Where's the availability for me to make these funds? And more often than not, that carries over into the church mentality, meaning, okay, which church is paying me the most? How can I get this money? What What is guaranteed for me? Who's got the benefits? Who's got the biggest budget? And that's where I'm going, as opposed to looking at it, number one, for who's feeding my spirit? Where do I feel at home at? Where Where can I connect and relate to the authority of this house, meaning the pastors? How can I see any kind of connection so that I know that I can grow? And I think that's where we have a huge problem at. We carry that gig mentality over into the church where there are two separate entities that do not combine into one. So true, so true. And then you, you bleed into that that 
okay, do I want to do church or do I want to do secular? Because then when you kind of look at it from the gig mentality, then if you're really looking at the revenue part, then you're like, well, I can make more money over on this side. So, Uh (laughs) you know, that comes into play. And so have you seen over the years where there are, you know, musicians who just kind of slid to, you know, slid over to the other side? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I slid a couple of times. <laughs> I slid a few times. Listen, even this is reality radio. Me. I love the yeah, transparency. This is reality, I, and I'm going to be as transparent as well as I can. I've slid over uh, quite a few times, um, and it wasn't that I quit the church. It was just the fact that on those days I was available, and I took up the opportunity. So I think mm-hmm. that, again, there there are different ways that you can look at it. Like me personally, I don't see anything wrong with you playing for a secular venue, um, especially if it's, I'm an old school head. Like I like R&B, old school, neo soul, Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, OJs, all of that stuff. That's music that I like. So I have no problem with if the opportunity came, would I take that? Yes, I would. But at the same time, if it's going to cause me to miss out on what my obligation is for church, and being in position when I'm supposed to be, then I won't take that opportunity. So we have to okay, be okay. down line and reasonable enough to understand that they are still dealing with music as a whole. The language of music is universal. However, you still have to prioritize and make sure that your commitments align. That's good, because I, I will say that uh, musicians that I know really think about music, I think, differently than the average person mm-hmm. Um think about music and so uh, I think that you know people if I can play angels advocate you know people sitting in the pews <laughs> would say well you know how yeah. how are you going to play at a club you know Saturday night then you you're doing praise and worship Sunday morning and so right uh, I think it's a very individual conversation but something I think you hit the nail on the on the head by saying you know, is this going to conflict or cause you to not be able to fulfill, you know, what you 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 need to fulfill in your role at yes, church? Yes, ma'am. And in your Christian walk. Let me not even in your Christian walk. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's life. the number one thing. Your relationship. <laughs> I would I, I tell people all the time. You know, it's not a matter of Christianity and or religion. It's about the relationship. So when you have relationship, there are things that you can and cannot do because there's this thing that's called conviction. You start feeling bad. You start having these second thoughts, this thought process that you go through. And if you know that that's something that you're not supposed to be doing, then, hey, that's up to you to make that call. Nobody can do that for you because nobody can walk your walk with your relationship. Nobody can walk your walk. I like that. I like that. It sounds like you need to do a conference or a workshop series. (laughs) Do you have anything in the works? (laughs) That's what it sounds like. Oh, man, Charvette, I'm actually in the early stages of my business right now, but I am available. If someone wants to reach out to me for a seminar or a conference, I'm looking to do one in the end of or at the end of July it's still in the working phases right now. Again, this is all early on, so I will definitely let you okay. know. But, again, I'm available for anyone that reaches out to me. Let's get this communication popping, and we can work it on out. All right. There you go. There's your offer. And one more time, Vaughn, how can they connect with you on social media and any other connections? Yes, ma'am. Again, that's Von Cade. That's on Facebook, Instagram. You can email me, voncade at gmail.com. That's Z-O-N-N-E-C-A-D-E. Make sure you check me out, and I'll be sure to respond and follow back with you. 
All right. And listeners, we have a, a full blog post with um, the entire bio and everything right at charvette.com. And I've also tagged uh, on Facebook. So those are great connection points. Well, um, my last question, uh, the goal of the show is to motivate, excite, and influence. And we want to know what continues to motivate you. Man, just the need for the opportunity and for the, my personal growth and development. I never want to be where I was even yesterday. I always want to be greater and have a positive influence on somebody else. I actually um, got a nugget from somebody not too long ago, and the thing that really stuck with me the most is that what we go through isn't for us, but it's a deposit for somebody else. So as long as I can help somebody else out along my way the best that I can in the way that's reasonable for me, then that's all that matters. Let's create this community. Let's create this work and keep building. Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, can't add anything to that or take it away. Thank you so much for stopping by the virtual <laughs> studio. And no uh, we just wish you much more continued success. Thank you. And the same to you, oh. lady. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. All right, listeners, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to be back with our second segment with Jackie Hunter. Uh, Listen, listen, Jackie Hunter has a new novel out called Lost in the Red Hills of Mars. 13-year-old Celine Red Cloud's world is confined to the compound, the tiny underground community that represents humanity's first foothold on Mars. There she lives with a hundred other colonists, including her parents. Celine's mother hates Mars and makes no secret of it. As for Mr. Red Cloud, the Cherokee genealogist, left Earth to escape a past he'd rather forget. Living with one parent who'd give anything to leave Mars and one who sees the red planet as a new start causes some strain in Celine's home life. But right now, family tension is the last thing on her mind because her father has gone missing. Ooh, we're going to be right back. It's the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show. Charvette will be back after this. Does your church or ministry have a website? Are you a local artist or author that has an established web presence? If you answer no to any of these questions, you're letting countless opportunities pass you by. Hi, I'm Charvette Mitchell. Mitchell Productions was created with your needs in mind. We will provide you with stylish and economical online marketing solutions. From email marketing to your own website, Mitchell Productions caters to ministries, nonprofits, small businesses, and special events. Check out our portfolio at Mitchell-Productions.com. In today's world, a website is not a luxury, it's a necessity. And Mitchell Productions can create your website in a stylish manner at a very economical price. Don't let business, customers, or new congregation members pass you by. Visit Mitchell Productions today at www.Mitchell-Productions.com. Let us showcase your Water conservation is especially on people's minds during dry periods, but it's important all the time. One place to save water is in the home landscape. Irrigate in the early morning hours and apply no more than three-quarters of an inch of water. Make sure your irrigation system is working properly and isn't leaking. Remove weeds when you see them, keep fertilizing to a minimum, and water grass only when it starts to wilt. This public service announcement is brought to you by Gardening in a Minute. For more information about water conservation, visit GardeningInAMinute.com or contact your University of Florida IFAS County Extension Office. 
Hello, we are 123jobzone.com, an online job search portal. We are user-friendly, and if you're searching for a job, with us, it's easy as 123. Step 1. Go to www.123jobzone.com and register as a job seeker. Step 2. Once registered, upload your resumes. Step 3. Get connected with employers looking for people like you who are ready and willing to work. Don't forget to follow 123JobZone on Twitter and Facebook to find out more about our upcoming job fairs. What are you waiting for? Stop by 123JobZone.com today. Good luck with your job search. She's here to motivate, excite, and influence you. She's Charvette Mitchell. Charvette Mitchell. It's the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show with in-depth interviews from today's leading authors, gospel artists, stars that you want to know about. And now, Charvette Mitchell. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back again. Thank you so much for hanging out with us here on the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show. Listen, we're moving into our second segment with author Jackie Hunter, who's hanging out in the virtual uh, green room just right over there to the left on the yellow leather couches. Uh, and we are bringing her up to the mic. Listen, I gave you a little snippet uh, right before we went to commercial break about her brand, her novel that's available, her debut novel, Lost in the Red Heels of Mars. Uh, we're excited to have uh, Jackie Hunter, who really began writing, um, you know, short stories and, po- and poems when she was 12 years old. Uh, but over a over a 30-year career, uh, she taught middle school math and science and worked as an elementary school administrator. Um, grew up in Richmond, Virginia, and holds a Master's of Education from Virginia Commonwealth University. That is my alma mater as well. And she has a lifetime membership in the National Parent and Teacher Association, and we're excited to have Jackie Hunter uh, gracing our virtual studio. I'm bringing her up to the mic right now. Live. Uh, Jackie, you are live on the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show. Welcome. Thank you, Charvette. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, oh you're welcome. You're welcome. And so, um, Certainly with uh, being a a former math and science uh, teacher, I can imagine you've you've seen a lot in the classroom and and a lot of creativity from the students uh, that might have helped lend to your your book. (laughs) That's true. I remember when I was a a middle school science teacher, and I took my students to the Math Science Center, and the assignment was to create um, a colony, a Martian colony. And they had all these materials and the students were so excited. And you know something? I was excited too. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so right then is when I decided that I wanted to write something about uh, someone living on a Martian colony because that for some reason just was so interesting to me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Wow. And, you know, there are so many – I'm watching right now uh, a Netflix series called Lost in Space, and Uh – it's and it's uh, there's there are a lot of kind of shows and things that are movies that are kind of popping up about this topic of you know going to live somewhere other than Earth and so I uh-huh. think this novel is 
is right in time because people have the appetite for it. And so um, tell us a little bit about, you know, what, (laughs) yes, tell us a little bit about um, your writing process or how you got started with actually writing this. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I enjoy learning new things, and I think of myself as a futurist. And uh, mm. that's someone who is very interested in what may be, what may happen. A futurist is like the opposite of a historian. A historian looks back at the past, evaluates that, and I like to look at what could be. And so um, what I generally did when I was writing was I would sit down, I would meditate for a little while, and, and then um, I would do research. I would get on the computer. I would look up uh, anything about planets, uh, how the astronauts live in the space stations, how people live in submarines. Um, just very, just very interested in that kind of thing. That would get me in the right mood to begin writing, and um, that's how I would begin to start. And so um, I would also make sure that I would write a minimum of 10 pages a week. And so that was very important as far as me being able to accomplish my goal. Um, a lot of people don't realize it, but the average novel has about 60,000 words in it, and that's around 240 pages. And so I set the goal of at least doing a 240-page novel, do 10 pages a week, and so that was how I was able to reach my goal in about um, seven or eight months. Okay. Look at that process. All right. So for those that are listening that are uh, striving to, to write, she just mapped out a plan for you. So follow the plan. And so Mars, uh, and I love, um, you know, the character. So let's talk a little bit about the personality of, you know, of each of each character. So we have Celine. Um, we have her father, we have her, and we have her mother. So just kind of describe just Celine's personality. Okay. Now, Celine is a 13-year-old teenage girl. Uh, she is a little bit uncomfortable with who she is as a person. She is changing, as teenage girls will. And um, mm-hmm. one thing that I wanted to make sure that I did with when I developed Celine was to make sure that she has positive characteristics as well as some weaknesses too. Now the mother and father have small parts. The main, the other main character is a teenage boy named Alex and Alex is very wealthy. He came from earth and he's spoiled. So he has a lot of growing up to do. And the two of them go out looking for her father, who was lost in a Martian sandstorm. And so um, they they inter- interact in many different ways, and um, they face a lot of different challenges together, and they both grow. And I think that's very important that when you start out with characters and they have their flaws, by the end of the story they should show some growth. Ah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. um, so the mother, 
is not having any parts of Mars. <laughs> the mother is like, I don't want to be here. Uh, and so tell me <laughs> a little bit about the mom. Well, that's true. The mother is a very complicated person. I don't want to give away too much of the story. Um, mm-hmm. She, you're right. She doesn't want to be in in Mars, and she looks for any opportunity to get away from it. I'll put it that way. <laughs> the father is. <laughs> the father was um, a geologist. I, I, I created a new name, Marsologist. He's not a geologist. A geologist studies the Earth. A Marsologist studies Mars. <laughs> and so I created uh-huh. a new word for the story. And um, he is. Um, he and his um, assistant were out examining different kinds of Martian rocks, and that's that's when they got lost in the sandstorm. But um, one thing that I want to share with you, and I've shared this with many of the um, students um, that I've spoken with in public libraries, is one of the reasons that I created the story, too, is because it's full of very unusual and um, I call it very futuristic technologies. And I did that because when I taught, there were a lot of young people who thought that everything had been invented. And I wanted Mm. them to understand that there is a possibility that something is out there that you have never heard of and maybe you could be the one who could create it. When I was a kid, I enjoyed watching the Jetsons cartoon. I don't know if you're familiar. You're a young lady, so I don't know if you're familiar with the Jetsons cartoon. They have the reruns with Jetsons, right? Well, on the Jetsons, I remember there was a a monitor, a computer monitor attached to the phone, Mm -hmm. and people were using this, and they could see each other. And that, in those days, was just an idea. So mm-hmm. I think there's a real good place, a special place in schools for science fiction because science fiction might inspire the next inventor, the next inventor of the future. Yeah. So I, that's, a, that's another reason why I wrote the story. And um, I know that some people say, one day if it's like lost in space, if they read the first page, they would know. That story is nothing like Lost in Space. It is so different. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so Mars, um, I know you talked a little bit earlier about uh, that project in school, and they said, hey, you know, use mm-hmm. Mars and come up with a colony. Um, did you ever consider any other planets outside of Mars? Well, well Mars, Mars makes sense. Uh, there, mm-hmm. um, if you were if you were to take you know Earth is about seventy percent water, and if you were to just take just the land and compare it to the amount of land that's on Mars, it's the same amount of land. They don't, there's no water mm-hmm. and there's no open oceans or lakes the way it is on the Earth, but the same, there's the same amount of land. Also, a day on Mars is about pretty close to 24 hours. Now, the year is twice the length of Earth's uh, year, but a day having a day that's almost this, you know the same will will mm-hmm. have you feeling a little bit normal. Another thing I found out in my research when I was uh, writing the story 
is that at certain times of the year, pretty close to the equator, it can reach in the daytime 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, at night, it'll probably go down to 100 degrees below zero, but in the daytime, <laughs> there are people right now, that's called, I'm a member of this, it's called the Mars Society, and one of the things that they do, well, they do a lot of things, but one thing that they do is they are, uh, some of people, some of the scientists are actually living in South Pole for a period uh, and trying to figure out how they can transfer this knowledge that they have to um, actually uh, living in a colony on Mars. And they also have had um, places that they set up on uh, Death Valley. Death Valley has some places uh, that are similar to the desert um, desert that are on Mars. So uh, this is real. I honestly believe in the future we are going to have colonies on Mars. I I feel like it's possible. We have people who uh, go into the space stations. Uh, One of the astronauts, I can't think of his name right now, but he lived in the space station for a year, and he has a twin brother who's also an astronaut, so they compared each other. Yes. Um, Yes. I saw him at – yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. I can't. Think mm-hmm. of his name, but I went to a conference. Mm-hmm. Yes, he has a twin, and they liked that they could compare what happened to his body in comparison right, to his right. brother because they were twins. Right. Yes, I saw him. He was a keynote speaker at a Learning 2016 conference in Tampa, Florida, and uh, uh-huh. I attended that. Wow, wow. yeah. So, um, awesome. It's, it's Listeners, if you're happen. just coming on in. Yeah, it's going to happen, and if you're interested it's in Mars, happen. listen, we're we're getting you, we're getting you, getting you motivated here. Uh, we're talking to Jackie Hunter about her book, Lost in the Red Hills of Mars. Jackie, how can listeners pick up a copy? Uh, well, I'm on Amazon.com, and um, I'm also on Barnes and Noble, and IndieBooks.com. And I want to tell you a story about how I got on Barnes and Noble. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with Kirker's Review Magazine. It is a oh. very distinguished, very distinguished magazine. They um, started in 1933, and what they do is they, when you send your books in to them, they will review them, and if they think it's a good book, they will tell you that. They will tell you what they like about it. If they think it's a bad book, they will tell you that, too. You might want to hide the review. But my review Mm. turned out pretty well. And this is my first book, and I was just so impressed, so happy with the results. They said that um, less than 10% of their books are published in their magazines. And they gave me the honor of having mine published in their magazine. And and next thing I know, it was up on Barnes and Nobles. I was like, wow, this is great. Wow. Oh, my <laughs> and, goodness. And that's Kirkus Review? Kirk, yes, K-I-R-K-U-S. All the librarians, um, people who are in publication and that kind of thing, they're very yes. aware of them and they're highly respected. So I was very pleased yes. with that. Uh, the book has also been nominated for the Yava. Um, there's a Yava competition. Oh. Competition that's in the Richmond Public Library, and uh, people are voting. I hope that they'll take the time to read the book and vote for me. The the voting ends on May 15th, 
And uh, right now, I believe there are 14 books that have been nominated. And I just hope everybody, your listeners, will get out and support me in that. And um, yes. starting... Congratulations starting, to that nomination. <laughs> thank, thank you. And starting in July, I will be doing a um, science program on uh, Comcast uh, Channel uh, 95 and Verizon Channel 36. And I have to thank Yamaja Jubilee of Cultural Libations for that. Um, She asked me if I would be interested in becoming one of the women of Comcast. And I jumped on it. I was excited about it. one of the things that I want to focus on on, on the TV show is to um, encourage young people to get mm-hmm. to take a look at STEM. STEM uh, is an acronym uh, for yes, science, yes. technology, engineering, and mathematics. That's for people who don't hear a lot of the educational jargon. But um, it's, it, I want to encourage them to get into those careers because there is a lot of money available, a lot of scholarship money available. They don't have to come out of college and, you know, owing $150,000, you know, being in debt if they decide to go into right. science careers. And I know that the Department of Defense, um, you don't have to be in military to um, to work for them. They are offering scholarships. NASA is offering scholarships. I was looking at one of these scholarships. It's called the Astronaut Scholarship, but if you look at it carefully, Mm -hmm. it's it's not just for astronauts. It's for people who major in physics, chemistry, geology, biology, um, technology, engineering, and uh, and mathematics. So even though it's called the Astronaut Scholarship, it, it has mm-hmm. money available for those all those different fields. And I was talking with a young lady today at the gym, and she was telling me she had graduated from high school and she hadn't gone to college and she didn't know what she was what she wanted to do. And I was telling her that um, she said I was telling her about STEM and she said, "Oh, that's science. That's hard." I said, "Maybe the first two years might be tough. If they can stick it out for the first two years, then." the third and the fourth year would be a piece of cake. So if they can just knuckle down, turn off the TV, get off the telephone, and, and mm-hmm. study, because it will be worth it. <laughs> it would be worth it to have a wonderful career like that and to make sure that they are living a good life and have a good future. So I hope that yes. everyone would tune in. It's going to be in July. It will be every Thursday. Uh, in, in the month of July uh, at 9, from 9 to 10, and uh, also the first Thursday in August. So I hope they'll tune into that and learn more. Uh, they'll be meeting uh, different scientists. I've already interviewed three uh, scientists. Um, one is uh, a black doctor. Uh, she's in Atlanta, Dr. Asia McCutcheon, and um, okay. a female uh, chemist, because um, I think girls a lot of times don't go into science, but they need to take a look, good look at science. There are lots of girls um, in science and minorities in science. I'm pushing that. Jane um, Buno yeah. is a chemist. She's a friend of mine, and she did an interview for me already. And Michael Albert, he's an engineer. He's a black engineer, young a young man. So I mean, I've got others that I'm going to be interviewing too. So they'll see that, you know, sometimes young people think a scientist looks like Albert 
Einstein, and that's all they think. Right. But they need to see themselves. They need to see Latinos. They need to see women. They need to see minorities, um, all part of the science community and making a big difference for our future. Yes, and that ties in so well with the review that was left on Amazon by Greg Smith. Big shout-out to Greg Smith of Agile Writers. Uh, And he said, uh, Jack, yes. Jackie Hunter has spun a tale that will entertain and enthrall youngsters and adults alike. I recommend this book for young people between the ages of 12 and 15. It's a great introduction to the world of astronomy and science. And if your child isn't already interested in science, Lost in the Red Hills of Mars will light that fire. So shout out to Greg Smith for that review. And he is a wonderful person, too. And Agile Writers is a wonderful group to belong to. I can't um, toot their horn enough. Um, I remember that because of me being a part of that group, I got the structure, the foundation that I needed in order to work and create my book. Um, I did a workshop last week with um, the Empowering Women um, conference mm-hmm. that that Monica Ball, uh, Monica L. Ball, Miss yeah. um, Real Talk, Miss Real Talk, um, and I, I did um, a workshop for people who are interested in becoming writers, and uh, I, sh- I want to share some books that I think might be very helpful, because when people, when, when young people who are interested in writing go out and think, oh, I can, I'm going to find a really good book. They have to go through a lot of them because some of the, some of these authors have a lot of fluff and no substance. Mm. But uh, mm-hmm. here's a, here's one called Show Don't Tell, and that's by Sandra Gertz. And another one is Strong Verbs, Strong Voices by Anne Everett. And here's another that's very good, Dynamic Characters by Nancy Cress. And uh, believe it or not, there's an emotion thesaurus. You ever ever heard of an emotion thesaurus where you can look for different ways to describe emotions? There is a lot of stuff out there that can help uh, a person to write well. And, of course, there is um, uh, the book by uh, Greg uh, Smith, who is the founder of Agile Writers, and it's called Agile Writers Method. And I highly recommend that um, because it does give you the structure that you will need. If you're serious about writing, you want a good foundation. Uh, You could sit down and write all day long, but if you don't know how things are supposed to be put together, um, Mm -hmm. the the structure, uh, the stages of the story, then you're not going anywhere. So I highly recommend that book. Awesome, and uh, I have had the privilege of speaking mm-hmm. uh, with Agile writers uh, for conferences and workshops related That's to social right. media and marketing for authors. Mm-hmm. So, uh, shout mm-hmm. out there um, to you know to that, and like you said about having that structure, I think that's amazing. So again, listeners, uh, lost. In the Red Hills of Mars by Jackie Hunter. You can pick that up everywhere um, books are sold. Uh, it's available paperback, 
uh, hardcover? What are the types of variations they could get the book it's, in? It's, it's also um, Kindle, so they can get it uh, electronic book too. All right, perfect. So there, there you have it right there. And I love mm-hmm. that in your acknowledgments, you acknowledge your 17-year-old granddaughter, Alexis. Uh, tell us about that acknowledgment. Well, okay, now Alexis is 18 years old now, and she's in college, and oh, she's okay. studying to be a film producer. And um, you know something? I, when, I, when I wrote my book, and, and this is for anybody, when you're writing, you're going to have to proofread and edit and rewrite and rewrite. I know that I rewrote that book at least 10 times, and I hired professional editors from Writer's Digest, I also had high school um, English teachers proofreading, and my final editor was my granddaughter. Now, my granddaughter, and she will probably feel a little funny about me bragging about her, but she is an excellent, excellent writer, director. She directed her class play, and she had 30 people that she directed for her class play and her cast. But she proofread, and... If if I said something that she thought was a little bit old fashioned, she would say, "Well, Mama, Grandma, we you know we should maybe say it like this." So she she was very thorough. She read everything, and we talked about it. and And I made a decision as to how I wanted it to go. And um, I I tell everybody that I know that she was the best editor that I had because. She didn't have anybody else's work to work on, whereas other professional editors, you know, they have maybe 10, maybe even more, and they're trying to just get through it as fast as they can so they can go to the next one and make money, more money, more money. She was, you know, that piece of work was the only thing she worked on, and um, I can't uh, sing her praises enough. I'm just so proud of her. That's awesome. Well, shout out, uh, shout out to her (laughs) for that. And so uh, let our listeners know how they can connect with you on social media. Um, Well, there are a number of ways. On Facebook, um, they can find me as Jackie Hunter Author. And then um, I have a, I have um, a webpage and it's lost in the red hills of Mars.com and it doesn't have any space in all the words, letters are lower, lowercase. And I'm in the process now of developing my website for the TV show, and it's The Rippy Effect. My maiden name is Rippy, and uh, another reason why I chose that name is because my brother, who's passed away, was a physicist, mm-hmm. and um, I'm hoping that eventually I'll be able to do... Um, a scholarship a program in his name um, for anyone who's interested oh, awesome. in being, you know, a scientist or reaching out into those STEM careers. But um, that website is therippyeffect.com, but it's in working right now. Um, I'll put it out again on my other um, um, websites and when it's finished. 
All right. Awesome. So there are mm-hmm. the connection points. Listeners, connect, connect, connect. And uh, this has been a pleasure just featuring you on the show and getting to hear more about the book and just Mars and science and all of that in general. And so the goal of the show is to motivate, excite, and influence. And we want to know what continues to motivate you. Wow. I'm just one of those kind of people who cannot keep still. I love a challenge. I'm always thinking about things that I can do to improve myself. I definitely believe that I should try to learn something forever, keep my mind active. And um, Mm -hmm. I I, I guess you can say hmm, I'm self-motivated. I'm motivated, too, by... Um, wanting to 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 just be the best that I can be. Awesome, the best that you can mm-hmm. be. Well, I think that 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 works out good. And so uh, we thank you so much for for stopping by the show. Thank you for having me. And it's oh, been a right. real you pleasure. Quite, oh, oh, you are quite welcome. Oh, thank right. You. Uh, oh, you're welcome. All right, listeners, that's going to wrap up another edition of the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show. As always, you can go back to charvette.com and check out the full bios for all of our guests and listen to any of the shows again. And you can catch some of the past shows uh, if you want to. Uh, We're going to bring more phenomenal guests next week, and we're going to see you later. Check us out, connectcharvette.com. I'll see you on the web. Live from Richmond, Virginia, you have been listening to the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show. Connect with her at charvette.com. And until next week, stay motivated, excited, and influenced. The Charvette Mitchell Radio Show. Signing off.